You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. series you can have your choice we're either going to preach on isaiah or song of solomon (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) i'm not going to give you a choice on song of solomon because there's kids now with us and until they go to children's church we can't preach on that because that book is like x-rated okay that being said we're going to preach on isaiah which is different for me i've never preached one of the books that was written in poetic form before. So I'll give you a disclaimer ahead of time. I don't know what this is like yet, and if we get into this and I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again, or I don't quite know how to preach in this way, we'll maybe shift into something else. But I'd like to try it out. Uh, For most of my time here at 1208, I have preached on the New Testament, uh, primarily because I'm a red-letter Christian kind of guy. While I believe that all the Bible is God-breathed, I believe we really need to focus on Jesus for the whole thing to come to light because Jesus himself told his disciples, you know, after he was resurrected, he's like, look at me. Here's how I fulfilled all these prophecies, which means, you know, there's lots of times where we read the Bible and we misunderstand it because we don't have it through the lens of Jesus. I've now given you eight years to get your mind on Jesus. So we're going to move to Isaiah, who happens to talk a lot about Jesus. Uh, He's just not quite there yet. So. With that being said, we'll spend some time here and we'll try it out. Um, One thing that I read in a a book recently that you you ever wonder why you have kind of this poetic form in some spaces, you know, like where the words are kind of spaced out and there's tabs and all that. Uh, I came across a book recently that mentioned that in in old times, ancient times, prophets were meant to write in a way as though the, the divine would write, that the gods would write. In other words, if you thought you had a message from God, it should look elegant and it should have this form and it should be free, kind of kind of freestyle rap, but it should come out very beautifully and, and in a way as though God is inspiring it himself. I don't know if that's fully accurate, but I think that was the first time I was like, that would make sense, Ty- Tyler. Think celestial in D and D. Okay, so yeah, there we go. Okay, so with that being said, um, let's go and read all of Isaiah one. It's a bit of a reading. I'll read it all, and then we'll talk a little bit. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared up and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it. But bruises and sores and raw wounds, they are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. 
And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ears to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is a multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of, the, of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary, uh, weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Come now, let, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How the faithful city has become unchaste. She who is full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your best wine mixed with water, your princes and rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs for a gift. They do not bring justice to the fatherless and the widow's cause does not come to them. Therefore, the Lord declares, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel. Ah, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you and I will smelt away your dross as with lye and remove all your alloy. And I will restore your judges at, as at first and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her who repent by righteousness, but rebels and sinners shall be broken together and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. For they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desired. You shall blush for the gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers and like a garden without water. The strong shall become tender and his work a spark. And both of them shall burn together with none to quench them. The word of the Lord. Yeah, I'm supposed to say that at the end, but after you hear a whole bunch of like difficult stuff like that, nobody wants to say that sometimes, right? Yeah, there are two kinds of people who read the prophets. One kind reads it watching the world burn. Yeah, God, get your, get your revenge, get, get everything that you want on people. I, I hear you, Jesus, what you're looking for. God, I know what you, what you want. You want goodness and I'm ready for it. And then there's people like me who when reading that are like, I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm the guy making all the mistakes. I'm the one doing the injustice. I'm the one who's sinned here and done that. And, and if you're like me, the prophets weigh very heavily on you. And so you've avoided them for much of your life. 
I remember I was audiobooking the Bible once at a rather fast speed. I don't recommend audiobooking at two times to three times speed the minor and major prophets in two weeks. It's a lot to take in. <laughs> After you've read several hundred pages of prophets being like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Eventually you hit this point of like, I don't know, I'm sorry. Because if you're like me, you internalize all of it. And sometimes that's good. Because if we internalize what the prophets actually say, we might actually change our lives around. But sometimes it's bad because we miss the grace and the love that's there in the prophet's message as well. I used to have this coat that I would wear. It was a leather jacket. It was my favorite jacket. Until the back got ripped. And then it got ripped more until the entire back of this jacket was just this giant piece of missing leather. <laughs> And on the back of this broken coat, it just looked gross. Nobody would ever find this appealing. From the front, I look great, but from the back, not so much. On the back, I just took a permanent marker and just wrote, God loves you even in your brokenness. I call that my prophetic jacket. Because <laughs> on one side, it looked like I was doing okay, but from the back, it looked like I was falling apart. And yet in the midst of all that brokenness, this message of the prophets that God loves us anyway. And it takes me time sometimes to internalize that because I think I'm a bit more of a depressive kind of person. I, I tend to reflect badly on all of my decisions and then that takes me into kind of a dark place. And so when the prophets do it in the name of the Lord, sometimes I internalize it even more severely. And so it takes time to practice that grace. But we have to recognize that the words of the prophets, regardless of how they make us feel, these are good words from God and words that God expects us to understand and obey. We have to realize that nobody ever likes the voice of the prophets. Sometimes the prophets don't even like themselves. Jeremiah, that dude had to be like bipolar. I mean, he's one minute, he's way up here like, given words and then the next moment he's like god nobody loves me and i i don't know what to do and every time i speak everybody hates me because you keep making me say all this stuff would you stop but then if i don't speak it there's like a fire in my bones and it burns until i speak it out and then they all hate me again but you are great and i will follow you to the end you know it's like this all over the place fluctuation of emotion with jeremiah but it's a rather common response that when a prophetic word is spoken, people don't want to hear it, and people don't repent, and people don't turn. Instead, they make justification. Ah, oh, Isaiah, telling us that we're not listening to the orphans and widows. You know what, Isaiah? We're doing better than we used to. You remember a few years ago, there was that whole case with that widow? Yeah, well, I mean, that hasn't happened in a while. That sounds like the kind of things that we do with prophetic words of, of conviction. They come and like, well, okay, maybe I was pretty bad at buying all of these products made by slaves at one point, but Jesus, I've come a long way. And still that invitation, go all the way. Well, I don't wanna hear about that. John and Revelation reminding us of how slavery makes Babylon go around. We don't like prophetic words all the way to the end. Jesus himself, he's like, you guys killed the prophets. 
and you like them now, prophets are always easy to listen to after they're dead. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> Even in modern times, prophets are easy to listen to after they've passed away. In fact, we celebrate them as heroes. But before those moments, when they were actually here, nobody wants to listen to them because it hurts, it's painful. But in a good way. And here's the strange thing about a prophet. You know what a, a true prophet of God who's really done his job well looks like? A true prophet of God who's really done his job well looks like a false prophet. Here's what I mean. Uh, God takes Jeremiah into a pottery barn. That's probably not the right word. Uh, takes him to a guy making a pot. <laughs> and he says, watch that guy. And Jeremiah watches for a while. When he's done, God says, all right, just as this guy has made this pot, now that he's done with it, he can either break it or he can keep it. Jeremiah, this is how my prophetic words of judgment work. I'm going to speak them out to you. You're going to go speak them out over people. And if they repent, I'll forget about the word of judgment that I said. But if they keep living in their sin, I will bring about my judgment. In other words, if Isaiah actually gets people <laughs> to uh, get if Jeremiah or Isaiah actually get people to repent and no longer sin, judgment never comes that the prophet said was coming. And so they look like a false prophet. It's like, where's the judgment you're talking about? <laughs> oh, well, you guys actually did a good job. You turned away. It happens at Nineveh, right? Sometimes you gotta wonder what happened after Nineveh. I mean, a guy gets out of a fish and walks into town. He's like, hey, everybody, you need to repent or this place is gonna be burned down. Everybody repents. And so it doesn't get burned down. How many years went by before they started to wonder, I mean, was he lying to us? Like, because <laughs> it never happened. Who, who knows? We do that sometimes. I think a good example is even with COVID-19. We were told if we mask up, people won't get sick. We all masked up. People got less sick. And then everyone was like, see, Corona's not even an issue. It's like, uh, no, the word of judgment was we would get sick. We masked up. We didn't get sick. So now they look like false prophets because it didn't come in the way it did. You're you following me here? Anyways, to say all that, Isaiah does the same thing. He tells his people to repent. Yeah, there's a lot of severe words of judgment. You guys aren't being just. You're not doing good. You celebrate evil. You worship false gods. Uh, there's this whole thing at the end about them being in gardens. That's all reference to these like fertility cults that they had going on. Time and time again throughout Isaiah 1, he's like, this is all the stuff you're doing wrong. But then right in the middle of it, you're supposed to picture God in a courtroom setting with Israel in front of him. And God says, come now, let us reason together. Here in the court, pulling everybody to the front. Let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah does the same thing that all the prophets do. If you turn, if you repent, this won't happen. And I'll look like a false prophet for saying that it was going to. But that's the hope. That judgment will be curved. Because God doesn't like to bring about judgment. 
Think of Sodom and Gomorrah. Everyone uses that as like the peak moment of judgment. It's because it is in the Bible. It's used time and time again throughout the Bible to talk about like an ultimate kind of judgment. But God wanted to be persuaded not to bring that judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. When he's talking to Abraham, he's like, look, Abraham, if we can find like 10 people there who are still good, I won't do it. <laughs> just a few people, Abraham. Find me, find me just a few people. They couldn't. The place was too far gone. And so God brought about judgment that he didn't want to bring about. Nineveh. God sends the prophet to Nineveh. Tell them to repent. They do. God doesn't bring judgment on Nineveh despite the wickedness and evilness that went on there. And it's amazing when people like Nineveh respond that quickly. There are so many prophetic books in your Bible of prophets saying Israel repent and they don't. And then God sends Jonah to a pagan nation outside of Israel and they do repent. And you know what's even more embarrassing? Their cows repented. They took bags and sackcloth and didn't just put it on the humans, they put it on the animals. You know what's weird about Jonah? The animals are obedient to God over and over again. A whale or whatever this big fish is swallows him up. Okay, God, I'm your new bus to Nineveh, I'll do it. Swallows him up and takes him to Nineveh, spits him out. They dress up the cows in sackcloth, they repent. And at the end of it, God sends a worm to eat a plant and the worm eats it like he was told. Why are all the animals listening to God? <laughs> Why are the pagans listening to God? And then there's God's people who are like, eh, we're okay. Just shut up already, Isaiah. And this to some extent is, I mean, it's super embarrassing that this happened to Israel. I mean, talk about seeing God right in front of you. There's stories. A river parts and they walk through it. Their stories. A pillar of cloud and fire show up. It's like, just follow us. We know the way. Their stories. Hey, I saw God's feet up on a mountain today. It was pretty cool. And then his back some other time. Was... The stories. The story. There's so many of them. Of the angel of the Lord. Of, of crazy things happening all around them. And yet time and time again, they just turn into wicked, evil people. And God's like, what are you doing? You're bearing my name. The whole world knows you as Yahweh's people. And yet you walk around and show them Satan. You show them hell on earth as my people. What are you doing? And they don't repent. And of course, God has to deal with that. That's, how, that's why they end up in exile. It's like, I can't let the rest of the world think that this is the way I look, that I accept this, that I'm okay with this. So you guys are going to have to face some justice of your own. But even that justice is meant to repair them. This is, this is a very interesting phrase in Isaiah 1. I don't know if you caught it. God says, I will get relief on my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you. That's not positive connotations, you guys. I will turn my hand against you. I will smelt away your drosses with lye and remove all your alloy. What happens directly after this verse? I'll turn my hand against you. I'll mess everything up and I will restore your judges and your counselors and you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. There are some extreme moments of judgment that come like Sodom and Gomorrah. They're very rare because God is too gracious 
to give in to those kinds of judgments. But then there are these restorative judgments throughout the Bible where God's like, I'm going to turn my hand against you and that's how we're going to fix this. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, that's the idea behind like a prison, right? Obviously, we know prisons don't work right. A lot of people come out of prisons even more hardened than when they went in. But the idea behind a prison is supposed to be maybe if they face a sentence, they'll get their lives together. And occasionally that happens. My friend went to Jackson prison because he had a sex addiction that was so out of control, he ended up with a life sentence there. Life sentence, but his life, he got saved like a month in, his life was so drastically changed, they let him out in three years. Three years from a life sentence. That's a positive story of God turning his, his hand towards someone and then coming out faithful and restorative on the other side. But oftentimes we don't do that. That's another justice issue. We just harden people's hearts all the more. But that's the point behind difficult plagues and things that happen in the Bible. It's not to, to make people mad. It's meant to bring them back to God. We just preached through all of Revelation. What happens to Revelation? All the plagues are like, hey, feel a little bit of pain so that it makes you come to God. Have a moment where you're like, life is falling apart. Is God real? And God says, yes, I'm real. Come to me. Experience love. Experience grace. Experience redemption. I can give that to you. That's the point behind hands being turned against us. It's meant to restore us. And I don't look as I, I don't look at Corona as end time stuff, okay? However, I do look at it as a a plague of sorts for 2020, for, for our generation, to feel the pain, to say, God, where are you? Have you felt that during this time? Just kind of this dryness, maybe a spiritual dryness, maybe just enough pain to say, God, where are you in the midst of this? That's the moment where he says, I'm right here. I'm here to restore you. I'm here to bring you to faithfulness. And look at all the things that COVID has brought with it in 2020. So many justice issues rising to the forefront. It's almost like a call from the prophets, a call from God to say, I am pressuring all this stuff out into the open. My church, what are you going to do with it? I'm bringing it to the forefront. Just as you've been praying for justice for years, I'm forcing it all out. What are you going to do with it? Will you finally listen to the prophets now? Or will you kill them? Just like has always been done. Unfollow. <laughs> Unlike, unclick, whatever. It's been painful for me this year. I feel like a lot of the prophets I know that know God's voice really well have been speaking things that don't sound like God at all. And all of the social justice type prophets that I know have been pushing for what the Bible calls them to say for so long. 2020 will mess with your head so many ways. Like what's, what's up with this gap here? <laughs> it should be on the same page. But we have to turn our hearts towards God. And if we turn our hearts towards God, it will line up with what the prophets call us to. Today's passage was not about watching the world burn. Today's passage was about God's people needing to face their own justice because they are not living the life's lives that they're called to live. 
And we think that now that we have the Holy Spirit, we'd have it all together. But I feel like with all the pressure that comes out this year, we face it again. Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Are we growing? Or has the mega church, fast fad Christianity we've built the last 20 years, has that just made very lowly discipled people who don't know what the prophets said and what the scriptures expect of us? And so we live out just kind of the things that we've been spoon fed rather than a deep life that the Holy Spirit has offered us. Because that's the beauty of, of what comes next. These people didn't have the Holy Spirit in them as God's people. Some of them did, very select few, though like usually leaders of the group, the kings and prophets. But for the most part, everybody did not have the Holy Spirit in them. One of the ways in which God wanted to make them faithful and repair them and help them actually follow his word was to give his Holy Spirit to them. The Holy Spirit is not just about spiritual gifts. It's about being empowered to live the life that the prophets were calling us to. It's God saying, I see you struggle. <laughs> this is hard. This sucks. But take my Holy Spirit. In him is all the fruit that you need. In him is the capacity to grow beyond where you currently are. In him is the ability to be loving joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, gentle, self-controlled. Humanity has shown time and time again they don't really have much of these capacities in them, so take my Holy Spirit. One day in the resurrection, he'll give you the fullness of all those fruits. Right now is the beginning of the resurrection, for he lives in you, and he will start to make you what the prophets wanted us to be. So what's your struggle today? What are you coming overwhelmed with, overburdened with? That thing that you do time and time again, that addiction that you keep falling into. Whatever it is, you know, there's a lot of questions. Will we find freedom from some of these things in this life? The Bible gives an emphatic, the progression will start now. And for many, as they keep pressing into the Holy Spirit, they will find the freedom they're looking for. So we get to read the prophets in hindsight. We get to see what they once told people. And we get to see that judgment was poured out on those people. And we get to see from a distance away that Isaiah was right and that they should have listened and that we want to listen. We also get to see that we have the Holy Spirit to empower us to live the ways that they struggled to live out. It is a good time to be a God follower, to be a Jesus follower because we're privileged for the Holy Spirit to continue to take us further. So whatever these things are that maybe came rushing through your mind as you were thinking, I wish I could just be rid of this or whatever it is, let me just say a prayer for you and then uh, we'll get ready to close out. So God, we turn our hearts to you.
we all have difficulties and just as 2020 has pulled out a lot of things in the world 2020 has pulled out a lot of things in ourselves maybe some people here didn't know just how sharp they could be with their family until they were locked inside with them for seven months maybe some didn't realize how much of a workaholic they were until they couldn't go to work Maybe some didn't realize how lonely they were until they weren't allowed to be with others. Maybe some weren't aware of how addicted to media, television, movies that they were until they watched them all in the last seven months. Maybe some have felt themselves deeper into addictions, trying to deal with all of the pain with pornography or with alcohol. Maybe fights have risen up between married couples, between parents and children. Maybe some have just faced an onslaught of attacks and just feel like they would never end. We know that you are our answer because you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we need that way, that truth, and the life in us tonight. So God, whatever comes to all of our minds right now, would we not only listen to the prophets and pursue the prophets rather than click or follow or unfollow or hate or love or kill the prophets, would we just put all of our attention on what you have to say so that we would become the people that you have called us to be so that we would bring heaven to earth right now and so that we would cultivate the resurrection among our community. God, I think of a dream our prayer team shared this week of uh, a bunch of bees right behind me where I'm standing. There's this queen bee just sending out a bunch of bees that some were ordered to go sting eyes, some were ordered to go sting hands, some were ordered to go sting feet and ears. And it just seemed like the entire church was suffering from multiple problems of attacks. God, I think that rings clear across the whole church right now and in all of its capacities in the world. We all feel attacked in different ways. God, whatever way people need healing tonight, whether they've been stung in the ears and they can't hear you clearly, or they don't want to listen to you, they've been stung in the eyes and they can't see you clearly and they don't want to see you and stung in the hands and feet and they can't do mission for you or they don't want to do mission for you or missions too hard would all of the swelling go down would we all be healed in our various iniquities so that we would in a time of difficulty become the church that you called us to be would those who are not with us tonight 
experience the fruit of this prayer as well. They're yours and yours only. In Jesus' name. Da 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 da.